Hello, everyone, and welcome to Headwise, the video cast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel. I'm the founder of Migraine Nation, and I have a history of chronic and daily migraine that began at the age of four. I am super excited to tell you who our guest is today. This is Marina Medved-Lentini. Hello, Marina. How are you? Hi, Lindsay. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Marina is a blogger and the founder of the social support group Parenting with Migraine. And we are going to talk about how to parent with migraine today. And I think we're going to have some awesome advice and people are going to be, or they're going to feel understood. And so uh, listen in. Uh, this is going to be an exciting episode. So Marina, I think I want people to get to know who you are if they don't already. So can you just tell us how and when did your personal migraine history begin and, and how has it evolved since then? Of course. So I was diagnosed with migraine when I was 13, but I actually experienced my first migraine attack when I was much younger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a child and I was in Ukraine, which is where I grew up. I remember my first migraine attack when I was with my family at a picnic and everybody were laughing and relaxing and having fun. And I was laying on a picnic blanket, feeling this debilitating pain and nobody really knew what was happening. You know, we all referred to it as a headache back then and making jokes that here I was finally went to get some fresh air and my head couldn't handle it. And I remember just feeling so misunderstood and confused about why was this happening to me. And when we finally came to United States and my headaches, I'm saying it in air quotes, um, continued, my mom took me to a doctor and then a neurologist and I was diagnosed with migraine. And I tried different medications, uh, which at that time I didn't tolerate or they didn't help. And eventually I learned to live with it, uh, Mm -hmm. which I think is often common with many people that I talk to in my community. And I went to college, I went to law school, I uh, went on to become a lawyer. And it's just something that I struggled with. But it's something that because it was episodic migraine, I was able to live with it. And then it wasn't until I became pregnant and had my children that my migraine morphed into chronic migraine and it became unbearable and I couldn't tolerate it because it became a daily struggle. And I was having daily migraine attacks by the time my child, my children were um, one and a half years old and a newborn. And that's when my parenting with migraine journey began. Okay. that That is quite a story. And I... Um can relate a bit because it's difficult, especially when the kids are small um, and loud (laughs) to, to deal. So, um, so I understand that. And, and even deciding to become a parent when you have migraine is just a difficult decision and a difficult journey. So I can't wait to hear all about how you decided to become a blogger and an advocate. So how did the advocacy journey begin for you? So when I was in that scary place of 
being a new mom with having these debilitating daily migraine attacks, I felt extremely lonely, extremely misunderstood. And I truly felt like I was the only person this was happening to. I started looking for in-person support groups online to try to find people who were experiencing chronic pain. And so mind you, this was nine years ago, right? Probably 10. And I didn't know that migraine support groups existed. I didn't know people with chronic migraine like me existed. And I couldn't find any in-person support groups. Uh, at that time, I was experiencing anxiety. I was experiencing depression. And I was really looking for help. And what I did find, though, were Facebook support groups um, for people with migraine. There were some that I found that um, made it made me feel even more depressed. And then there were some that I found that, you know, made me feel like, oh, wow, there are other people like me. Um, and I'm able to talk to them and I'm able to feel better. And it gave me more hope. And so then I discovered an Instagram community of people with migraine as well. And I started to try different treatments and I started to um, feel better physically at some point and I decided that it, it all gradually uh, it all gradually moved on to a point where I started to feel like advocating for migraine and advocating for migraine patients and empowering other people was actually making me feel better right it was it almost became like part of my treatment, you know, talking to people online and telling them, you know, that uh, trying different medications, uh, trying different things um, could actually, you, you will help you try to find a treatment that will help you. You know, many people are afraid to try different uh, medications, but my motto is always try everything because you could find mm -hmm. something that will help you. And right. so that's when I discovered that I love doing this because I love empowering people and giving people hope and helping people feel less alone. And right. I, and I need that there needed to be some, a community specifically for parents with migraine or uh, people who want to be parents and are maybe worried that migraine will impede them from becoming parents. I think I love that story. And I love that you said that you started to sort of feel better and more empowered and more positive as you advocated, because we have data that shows that that happens. And you answered my next question already. I was going to ask you if advocacy was part of your healing journey. And you already said that it it is helping you heal. And I love, I love hearing that. I'm glad you told everyone that. Thank you for that. Um, so what is your number one goal for your work with Parenting with Migraine? I think it's to reach as many parents with migraine um, as we can to help them feel less alone. You know, parenting is such a lonely journey and it can be extra difficult when on top of that loneliness we also deal with debilitating neurological disorder uh, which often comes 
with anxiety and depression. Um, so if we can reach as many parents with migraine and help them feel less alone, um, that's my only goal. I, I love main that. Goal. So, <laughs> main goal. Yes, exactly. So what what um is your blog or what is parenting with migraine um as a group, etc., doing right now um to help moms or, or parents in general and kids who have migraine? Sure. Um, so we create um educational content, which I think is um, you know, very important. Um <clears throat> And necessary right now. I remember when I first became uh, chronic with migraine. Um, I remember when my migraine first became chronic. Mm -hmm. I discovered on social media that about rebound headaches, mm. and I remember bringing that to my doctor's attention, and we discussed this, and they said, "Yes, you do have rebound headaches that exacerbate your underlying migraine disease." And, you know, you spend so little time with your doctor one-on-one -on -one right. that certain things just may not come up. And so you do your own education, right, by watching podcasts, by watching, by reading blogs, by reading um, mm -hmm. educational materials. So I feel like the educational content is um, important. And so that's something that parenting with migraine does offer through um, social media posts through or, you know, through blogs. Um, we also have a support group um, on Facebook for parents, specifically for parents with migraine um, or or people who would like to be parents at some point. And it's just a space that offers hope and helps everybody feel less alone and people can engage in conversations, ask questions, um, you know, and I personally monitor it and I'm there all the time and mm -hmm. you know, it's supposed to be a safe space and I hope everybody feels that way. Yeah. Um, I've been on it. It's a very positive space. Uh, I am a member and I do agree. It's very positive and, and, um, and, and happy space, um, for people who probably, um, often are not all that, you know, happy. We do need a happy place to go. So I would agree with that. Uh, and, and thank you for that. It's, it's a, it's a fun space, I think. And yeah. I assume that's one of your goals. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about some tips for parenting when you are a mom or a parent with migraine. What advice do you have for parents when they have a, a severe migraine attack and, and you're trying to parent? What are some things that you advise people to do? Okay, so first of all, you have to let go of the guilt. Mm -hmm. It's like my number one tip. Mm -hmm. um, I, so many parents I talk to just feel guilty for not doing enough or for not spending enough time with the kids or for not being able to go and do things so my number one tip is just stop with the guilt you are doing enough you're an amazing parent um and then it depends i think on the age of the child right if the child needs the hands-on help if the child uh, needs you to be there physically um, or if the children are more independent. So when my children were younger, they needed to be right next to me. And um, 
screens. Screens are my savior. Mm -hmm. I do not feel guilt for letting the screens babysit my kids when I have a severe attack, whether it was when my children were little or when my children are now nine and seven. Uh, they can not back then they had their little tablets and now they have switch and, um, you know, they still have their tablets. Um, and I don't feel guilty about that. And I hope other people don't as well, because when you don't have a migraine attack, you do enough things with your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, you're there for your kids. You love your kids. And so when you do have a severe migraine attack, um, you shouldn't feel guilty for it. And then, you know, back when I had severe migraine attacks every day, you know, mm -hmm. um, that was also hard. And I know a lot of parents go through that again. Then I had to decide which attack was more severe right. <laughs> and, when, you know, what kind of things I do with the kids. And then there were quieter activities that we did together. You know, sometimes there were movies that we would do. We'd do a little picnic on the floor with the kids, you know, get some snacks um, and put the kids down on the floor for them. Or we would cuddle up on the couch. I always had, um, you know, like easy activities uh, that were easily accessible that I would give uh, to my kids, uh, little uh, watercoloring books or puzzles or, you know, things that they could do themselves that were easy mm -hmm. clean up um, that um, they could just grab themselves and do right next to me, right? Now right. that my kid's older, I could just say, mom has a migraine attack. Can you please go do something? Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't do screens. And then they know that there are quiet activities that they can do, you know, themselves. So I think it depends on the age. And I think it depends. And then I think it's really important to communicate, right, with the kids uh, so that they know the things that they will need to do when you have a migraine attack mm -hmm. uh, so that they are prepared when it happens. And these conversations are, are important to have when you aren't in pain, when you aren't experiencing symptoms right. so that they are ready for when it happens. Right. I love that you said that. I know something I have always done and with my kids forever and looking back, it was a bonding experience. So, you know, I never had the guilt because I was bonding with them at the same time. But if you are able to watch TV, if you're not one of those people that it hurts your eyes during a migraine attack, I had cartoons that they loved and that were also empowering. So they helped me during a migraine attack and we would have movie parties and just, you know, snuggle and watch those specific cartoons. And I just thought that was the best thing for us, for our family. And we still do it sometimes. Um, so I love them. I love that. And you know what my husband said to me, this is actually just like a week or two ago, you know, we were having one of those conversations, like, um, <clears throat> Sometimes I get down, you know, migraine mm -hmm. gets me down and uh -huh. I'll have several attacks um, in a row. And I'm just like, am I doing enough? You know, I get those mm -hmm. moments too, even though I try to empower people, uh -huh. and, you know, make them feel better and give them pep talks. And, you know, he said to me, the most important thing you can do for our kids is being near them, mm -hmm. whether you are having a, if you're having a migraine attack and they're watching TV and you're just sitting next to them. And, you know, caressing their heads and mm -hmm. holding their hand like you were doing just last night. The most important thing 
is just being with them and them knowing you love them. And he's right. For our family, that's the most important thing that I can do for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree. And I love that he also knows that, you know, that we are on the same page. So what are some tips um, for when, this is a difficult one because, and I know when the child also has migraine, do you have tips for parents that come to you with that question? Yeah. Um, when, so my son is uh, nine and he mm-hmm. developed migraine a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, his migraine is episodic and <clears throat> he, um, when he gets a migraine attack, I basically like don't if I have if I'm in pain I don't feel my pain it's almost like mm-hmm. adrenaline you know mm-hmm. adrenaline kicks mm-hmm. in and it's all about my son mm-hmm. um so it's all about him and you know it's all about making him comfortable um oh you know it's like I get emotional I know Talking about it, so I actually just it's forgot hard. the question. I, um, I try, yeah. I was asking what the tips are for for parents who are asking about parenting when their kid also has migraine, and it, yeah, it is a hard yeah. question. You yeah. know, we you know we have we have I have in my head like the steps I need to take so that you know I don't get emotional. First, he needs you know his you uh, what triggers his migraine sometimes is when his blood. Uh, sugar goes down Mm -hmm. so um you know I have steps in my head um give him water give him food you know if that doesn't help give him medication if that doesn't help give him ice you know so first of course is um if your child experiences frequent headaches let's take him to the doctor right Mm -hmm. that's an advice for the parents I have parents Mm -hmm. who come to a group who haven't had a diagnosis for the child very important Mm -hmm. Um, and then my second advice is if your child is school age, get school accommodations for them. Uh, my son has school accommodations. Um, uh, Migraine at School is a nonprofit initiative mm-hmm. um, that was created with the help of CHAMP mm-hmm. um, and that you are a part of. And um, they've helped me so much with getting my son diagnosed and this organization helped me with getting school accommodations for my son and um they have a lot of a lot of um educational content that helps you understand pediatric migraine because it can be different from adult migraine you know Mm -hmm. one of the things you know i think i know so much about migraine but here's my son who's having a head pain on the forehead in the middle of the forehead right Mm -hmm. and Everybody thinks migraine is one-sided in the temple, but no, for kids, it's in the middle of the forehead only, bilateral, right? Or in the middle of the forehead, so little things like that. If you're a parent with migraine, you should know about it just in case because migraine is hereditary. Mm -hmm. And so um, if I have parents who come with me with children who have headaches and migraines, Diagnosis and school accommodations are very important. Right. Um, and making your child feel understood, believed, and feel loved during a migraine attack is so important. 
Mm -hmm. um, I also recommend using a traffic light um, system for describing yes. uh, their migraine attack, right? Yes. Instead of um, instead of uh, rating it one to ten, my kids right. love the traffic light system for me. And mm -hmm. I also have my son use it. So I ask him, so what color are you? And then they ask me when I don't feel well. And they love hearing when I tell them I'm a green. And mm -hmm. they're like, yes, that means we can do things. For mm -hmm. anybody who doesn't know, the green is I can go despite my symptoms. Yellow light means I have to slow down because of my symptoms. And red means I have to be in bed probably because my symptoms of migraine make me stop. Mm. So having this visual chart um, helps the children understand migraine better. Right. So I'm going to ask a question um, having to do with, you know, family members, et cetera. But what advice do you have for parents um, at family gatherings or holidays, especially if there's family members who don't understands either your migraine disease or your child's migraine disease. Do you have any advice for these types of situations? I think uh, there will always be somebody who doesn't understand what mm -hmm. migraine is, right? Um, and it's important to talk. If we know that there will be people like that at the gathering, it's important to talk to your child about it in advance. I think we are more, I, I think it's even difficult for adults to deal uh, with people like that in situations, right? But especially for kids, I think we have to have these conversations with them beforehand um, and explain that, hey, there, there's going to be somebody who may not understand what you're going through, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to mm -hmm. take care of you and I'm going to protect you and you can always come to me. Um, and mm -hmm. we just have to shield them from you know, from any discomfort as we can, right? but that's, that's life, right? This is preparing them for life because they will not be understood at exactly. times. We will all, all also not be there for them always. Right. And, and the holidays too, or family gatherings come at times that can be very triggering or even preparing for them can be triggering. So I think it's important that we always make sure that kids understand that and that we understand it ourselves. So that's why I, I brought that up. So, right. I and I think it's good to have like them um, with your child and yourself to have the tools necessary with you to try to minimize those triggers for the holidays, mm -hmm. you glasses or the medication and the mm -hmm. earplugs, maybe for the children and yourself uh, to try to, uh, minimize any of the triggers that are going on, like the noise or the bright lights. Right. Well, before we go, can you please tell everyone the best way to access Parenting with Migraine? Um, is there a website, social media? Sure. It's Parenting with Migraine on Instagram and Facebook, and it's parentingwithmigraine.com um, on the web. All right. And is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience before we go today? Oh, and it's the social, the Facebook group is Parenting with Migraine too. Um, okay. Yes, I would love to tell uh, everyone that um, to never give up, to never feel alone, mm -hmm. um, that there are others like you um, and that 
you know, I didn't know that there were people like me a long time ago, but now with the social media, there are people like us and we're all um, uh, waiting to talk to you and commiserate with you and lift you up when you feel down. So feel free to reach out. Oh, yes, that's so true. Great. That's great. I'm happy that we are ending that way. Thank you so much for being here, Marina. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this week on Headwise. Please join us again next week for the weekly video cast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you so much, Lizzie. Bye-bye.